Welcome to the Dr. Me First podcast with me, your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. Erin Wiseman. Hey, welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. It is me, your super sassy host, Dr. Erin Wiseman, and we are here for another conversation with one of our amazing female colleagues. Today, I'm going to be talking with Dr. Libby Schantzmeyer. She is a pathologist in Texas and one of my online BFFs. We bonded over coaching and the book Nonviolent Communication. So I can't wait to jump into the conversation, have Libby tell you guys all about herself, and talk about the word power. And she's got a really interesting point of view on what she feels like power is and how it's expressed in the world. But before we jump into our conversation, I have to announce our first sponsor of the Dr. Me First podcast. Applause, please. Yay! Today's episode is sponsored by St. Vincent's Internal Medicine and Transitional Year Residencies. They wanted to write a shout-out of encouragement saying, to our incoming and upcoming generation of doctors, we need you. We want you and we support you. You are the generation that will turn healthcare around. Here's to a sustainable future in medicine for our patients and our physicians. Care for each other so we can best care for others. Cheers! Well, thank you so much for the St. Vincent Residency Programs for sponsoring Dr. Me First. You guys are awesome. And to anyone else in the audience, if you would like to give a shout out to a colleague, spread some inspiration by telling about your practice or business, share a silly story or joke to bring more fun in the day, or whatever, I would love to partner with you to make this podcast better and sustainable. So head to my website to look for the link how you can become a sponsor of Dr. Me First. I seriously couldn't reach and grow without your help, and I very much appreciate all the support for doing these episodes. Okay, Well, enough with that. Let's go ahead and jump into our conversation. Here we go. Hi, friend. So my name is Libby Schonsmeyer. I'm a pathologist in Central Texas, and I am doing some life coach training also on the side, and I believe that we are all one high-power field, individually and all together. So that's a, the quick and dirty of who I am. I'm also a mom. I have three boys. That, so I live basically in a frat house with three boys and my husband. And we do lots of baseball and fun outside kid stuff. So hashtag, big old hashtag, boy, boy mom times three. Love it. Love it. Do you have like even like a female like dog or cat? I do. All my animals are girls because I need some girls. So I got a real foo-foo girly dog. I got a little cockapoo. She's a girly, girly dog. And I take her to the groomers and get bows in her hair. Cause <laughs> that's, and I'm not a bowie, pinky, girly girl at all, but that's my one outlet. So that's right. <laughs> I kind of overdo it with her. I overcompensate, I think, with a silly dog. Poor you got to have some balance in your life for all that testosterone. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I love your high power field concept that you talk about just being a pathologist, but, but going so much more into it. Tell me and tell everybody about that concept. Gosh. Um, well, thank you. Um, so as a pathologist, I look at a microscope and one of the things we use when we talk about cases is the 
how many mitotic figures are in a single high power field, like one field or in multiple fields. We use that, that as a term, one high power field. And a, lot, a lot of times it's HPF for high power field. And I, I just think about how important it is and how cool it is that, that each field matters. You know, you can zoom way down and look at each cell, you know, like each of us, each individual person or each cell, and each one is unique and it has all these features to tell us. But you can also zoom out and see the architecture and the way they're connected to each other and, you know, a whole different picture from a different field, if you will. So it's kind of like each field is important and interconnected and you can look at it from really, really, really close up to further out. So that's kind of my thing of going from cells to people, you know, and as women, I kind of, I was talking to another, actually another physician mom and it was when my mom passed away and I was really having trouble, you know, I was working and grieving in the whole process and I was emotionally a mess basically because my mom just died and I was talking to her about it and she was talking about how important our emotions are to our families as women and mothers and how we're like the emotional beacon for our kids and I was like wow and I started reading about it more and more and thinking about it more and more when I'm and I and noticing oh my gosh when I'm upset or kind of edgy with my kids everybody's kind of a mess but when I'm calmer and happier then the kids are too and so that kind of I put that together of being a high power field each mother we're this for our families you know that we need to be in our own selves comfortable and I don't like the word happy because that sounds more superficial than what I mean. Anyway, I, I feel like it, it's really important to be aware of. And, and just having that conversation with her made me kind of put these pieces together that how powerful of a field we are individually. And then, of course, it goes on and on and on because then two people get together and look how powerful they are. And then a whole group, you know, is more and more powerful and vibrant and diverse and exciting. So you can look at it at different levels too. So anyway, I, I thought that was kind of cool. I love it. I love that you have married your science brain with your philosophical engineering inside. Of you. I just love it. I love it. I love hearing you talk about it. I've always loved Aww. pathology. I loved it when I was in med school and I still actually participate in some pathology uh, slide groups, like kind of like they give you oh. a and then you have to like think about what the tissue is. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I, there was actually one yesterday that came up and I was like, okay, that looks like soap bubbles. So I think we're dealing with fat cells he here yeah. and like looking yeah. at it. I'll be damned. It was a lipoma and I was so proud of it. There myself. you go. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, I, I think there's such beauty in structure and function. And that's like what a lot of pathology is, you know, the structure and function and how they work together. And then you can kind of, like you said, do this philosophical super imposition <laughs> of people, you know, and it's true. It's like each cell they have, you know, between your squamous cells, which is your skin, right? You're, the surface of your skin is all squamous cells. And they have these junctions that they're kind of like holding hands. They just interdigitate, you know, they stick between each other and, and hold hands. And that's what protects you from any kind of bacteria or from infections and stuff. Your skin is so powerful. And then 
your function of that is protection, right? And then your other cells in your stomach are, have a different function. And so they have little villi, little parts hanging out, reaching out to grab things, which is what your stomach does, right? You digest your food. And so these little different parts of your cells absorb it. You know, anyway, I, I, I love the whole structure and function of all of our anatomy. And anyway, it's I fascinating love it too to me. that even though we think we're super smart, there's still so many mysteries in tissue. Oh my gosh. You know there what I mean? Is. I'm Absolutely. really excited to be like an 80, 90 year old doctor and then like going to grand rounds and being like, I remember in the day, you know, when we get 50 yeah. years, 40 years no. from now. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. And we used to think this and now we think this. Right. It's always evolving. Always, always. Yeah. What we know. And that's one thing that I can tell that I definitely have recovered from uh, the burnout that I really seriously is that I've found kind of the magic in medicine again, like actually being curious and like enjoying exactly what we're talking about. Whereas before I was just done. That's true. I think I've started to enjoy it more too, as, as like kind of what we're talking about of being able to speak to other physicians and say my, my ideas about, you know, how, People are a high power field, just like a cell is, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's exciting and fun for me too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we haven't even introduced your word because we're having such good conversations. So let's jump right? Your word is power. Tell everybody why you picked power. Oh, for lots of reasons, but probably because the thing that comes up is how powerful we are as, our, you know, our individual selves. And I, I feel like we don't appreciate that and I'm including myself entirely of we we have power in situations and circumstances that we may not give our, ourselves credit for and so that just came up to me it's important I think to talk about what we mean by power I don't know if we all have the same definition like success what does that mean that means something very personal to different people and it also like power what does that mean and so when I talk about power I'm talking about the influence we have on other people or other situations. And I was kind of curious, like what your definition was, Erin, because I was like, I wonder if other people do have the same, you know, idea of this is what power is to me. You know, to me, it's just the influence we have in a situation. Definitely. I think influence, I think of strength is a word that mm -hmm. comes to me when I think of power. Yeah, that's definitely what comes because I mean, I think about it kind of twofold. I think about like physical power, like I'm going to take mm -hmm. this big ass rock and I'm going to move it over here. Like, and that would right. still be like the influence on that rock. But then yep. I also think about it as, and I talk to a lot of women about like embracing their personal power, not giving right. your power away. And that would be the same thing, not giving your influence away because it's something as women that we don't always we haven't been taught that and we don't recognize it as thoroughly perhaps as our male counterparts. Right. Well, and I think that there's something really important for me. There's a discernment between power and force. And I, I feel like, you know, as women, we don't want to be forceful, right? We don't want to say, I'm going to lay down the law and, you know, and be, I guess mean maybe is the word. I don't know the best way to describe it, but 
we don't want to be forceful and like strong arm people to do one thing or another. And that's one strategy for your influence, right? Mm -hmm. But I contend that we can have a different strategy for power that's more powerful than force. There's kind of a continuum that you can get in from, to me, kind of a lower level of force. I'm going to arm wrestle you to get you to do something, which is kind of a domination system, mm-hmm. which is a whole hierarchy. I'm the boss and you you do this because I said that versus, so that's power over. I think that there's room, especially with more women, because I, I, I think we want to share power with each other. Just Anyway, so there's, that's in a continuum with power with. So we have power over and power with. And to me, power over is, like I said, the domination and power with is kind of leveraging nature, you know, leveraging the good in each other, leveraging our commonalities so that we can all work towards achieving what works best for us all. Because I believe that's possible. I really do. And so that, that's another thing that I love about power is kind of this a different idea of what it is that it can be shared. And I believe that we all ha- have the same basic values and needs um, in general. I'm not saying every single person has exactly the same, but in general, we all have a need for safety and protection and connection and belonging and to matter. And I think if we can see how each of our agenda is connected to that, then the strategy, whatever we're trying to work out, kind of falls into place. Absolutely. I don't know if that's a, that's a typical definition of power, but that's, I think that as women, we, we have power. Like I said, this is part of this by ourselves in our own families and then together if we join together, man, there's a lot of power with that. So Gandhi brought down the British empire and that was not with force. That was not power over, you know, and it was just this little skinny guy that had these really strong beliefs in what he was doing and his own personal power, right? It wasn't forceful power, but it's like, I'm doing this because this is the right thing to do. And he wasn't trying to fight nature, if you will. That might be too bold of a statement, but he wasn't trying to force it. And to me, when you have that power, I don't like the word win, but that will prevail over forceful power. Ultimately, I mean, there's situations, (laughs) you know, when force is going to prevail because it does, but in the long run, and that's what we're all in it for the long game, you know, I think the power of, being with and connected is stronger than the forceful power over. Absolutely. Like I'm seeing the illusion in my head, just people instead of in a tug of war, you know, and pushing and pulling against each other power. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's like a binding of hands and increasing your power exponentially because of working together and working towards a common goal. So. Right. Right. There's a, fear of power right like as a little scary you know are you, are you familiar with that with the i have this marianne williamson quote and I, do, are you familiar with that about our our fear of our power as, i think a little says, bit our, but go ahead and share it I, i'm going to share it this is by marianne williamson 
Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It's our light, not our darkness, that, fright, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, actually, who are you not to be? You're a t- child of God. You're playing small, does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightening about shrinking so that other people won't feel secure around you. you are, we are all meant to shine as children do. We are born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some and not just in some of us, it's in everyone. As we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence, our presence automatically liberates others. And that, to me, just speaks volumes, you know? Because I, I, I think there's, there's this kind of fear. And, you know, if you look at our education system, it's not set up for people to be thinking outside of the box or to like come up with different ideas or to stand in their own power right you know I drop my kids off at school and they go sit at their desk and they move when the bell rings and they speak when they're spoken to so I I mean this is a whole other topic about education but I think just it all kind of funnels into that idea of of changing our view of power and working with it, you know, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. And I'll have to include that quote in the show notes because I feel like you just took me to church on that. Um, <laughs> but definitely. I love, I, I love that. I love that by her. It was a, it's a little bit long, but it's, it's I just, I, yeah. Well, and I think there There's is a, a lot movement that's coming that is saying, ladies, stop shrinking yourself. Like mm-hmm. be as big as what your fit is, fill into all right. the places, no matter what that is and right. explore that. Because if you never ask, well, what if, then you don't, mm-hmm. you don't even know that portion about yourself. And right. I, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see more opportunities for women of all ages, instead of being told you're being too loud or you say too many cuss words or girls right. don't act this way. Like now I feel like we're going into a culture shift that says, you be you, you be you, right. I'll be me. And together we will support one another. I think we have to be a little bit careful about, we don't have to be us to prove it to someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, cause I've seen stuff of some people that are like, Oh, screw everybody. I'm going to do this. So here, this is another thing that I've been thinking about along with power. This is by Marshall Rosenberg. Who, and he says, never give them the power to make you submit or rebel. And I, I love that too, because I think, I think I've fallen into that sometimes where I'm like, well, if I don't tell them that they're over the line and just being obnoxious, then I'm not in my power. And it, it's kind of like you're, you're in your power when you're not submitting or rebelling, if that makes sense. You can say honestly what you mean, and you can advocate for yourself, but you don't have to rebel like punch him back in the face. Does that make sense? Yeah, that you're standing in your power, that people know your stance, and you know yeah. your influence, and you know that it's enough that you don't have to get up in somebody's grill or, yeah, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. 
And I mean, that's, I, I think like that's, that's a fine line because it is, cause yeah. it's hard to figure out. I know for me personally, cause I'm a very passionate person and I'm all about confrontation. Um, and so yeah. it's hard for me to know when I'm advocating and when I'm instigating. Yeah. Like when you're rebelling or versus mm-hmm. standing in your power with your authentic. Yeah. No, I think it is. But how do we learn that? Like we have to do it. You practice, right? Yeah. I mean, which is hard because I can't say that I've had a lot of practice in that. I mean, <laughs> when do you do that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I can think of examples where I've definitely put my foot in my mouth, but it was good because you're right. Then I made the mistakes and then I learned. Yes. And, you know, that's one thing that I have learned by stepping out and saying, hey, I'm a life coach and I advocate for physicians, is that not every battle is mine to fight. And that's been a really good Mm -hmm. lesson for me to learn. Because when I first started, it was like I was fighting on so many different fronts that now it's just good. I use the mantra, not my circus, not my monkeys. Like when I think (laughs) about... You know, that there's some things that, yeah, like I will engage in that and I will stand for. And then there's other things where it's like, nope, not my circus, not my monkey. Right, right, right. But but that's your power, right? Because you're choosing, you're following your values, which is cool because it's neat to see that kind of evolution because you're realizing this is where I'm standing and this is something that is important and kind of over the line beyond what I can tolerate with my values and who I am and where I am. And that's something that I can let go. I think that's really awesome. Yeah. Well, and we were talking before we jumped on the recording that one area that we both feel like that we didn't have power on was um, like employment contracts. Specifically for me, like a non-compete clause when I first signed my first contract. Right. And they're so common. Like, I don't really know. Do you know anybody that has had employment without a non-compete? There's a couple. And as I've looked at different employment options as I'm working with other physicians looking to transition, um, Mm -hmm kind of across the industry. It depends what part of the country you're in, but Mm. there are organizations moving away from it. But then I've also seen some organizations that are now starting to put those into their contracts where they didn't previously have them. So it's just kind of an ebb and flow, but I think it's so important for when you're going into any kind of negotiation or, or anything like that, like you said, to really know your power, know your influence, Mm -hmm. know your worth, what you're bringing. And then also to make sure that that, to know that that contract's not just a piece of paper, but it represents the relationship and the value that you are partaking with this other entity. Mm -hmm. It's a hard one. It's really hard. Like it, you know, yeah. It's hard because if it's something you want to do and you're told, well, you have to do it or you're not going to get this job and everybody does it, it's a hard place to be, you know? And it's, I think, I honestly, it's probably, it's just this place where the rubber meets the road, right? Of like, I can say all this stuff about my power and my values and where I stand, but it's different when you have to live it. Like it is. And, and I'm not like, you have to do what's right for your family and stuff. And you might say, well, my values for my family and my career and what I'm doing now outweighs the risk of the, you know, everybody has to make up their own mind about it. But 
no, I think that's a very difficult position. And because then you're giving someone kind of a power over you, which is again, this domination system. And wouldn't it be nice if the people you are employed with, whoever hospitals or whatever it is, had power with you and said, how can we make you happy? Because we know you're going to contribute a lot, like everything to this place, instead of we're going to pin you down and say, you can only work here. And if you go here, then you're going to, you know, you're not allowed to work there. You know, like, it's just, it's, it's a crazy talk about submitting, <laughs> you know, we're, we're submitting to this deal that we might not be comfortable with. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. And I think it goes back to just the cultural aspects of different groups or hospital settings or, or um, organizations, you know, are they, is their culture one of a scarcity model and they get real graspy right. and want to keep whatever they can? Or is it one of a growth model and be like, we would love to have you. We want you here. We want to help you grow as a physician, as a person, as a community member, as a, as a member of our team. And, right. you know, and I, because that's, that's the feeling that I get a lot of times when I read contracts. It's so funny that I never really thought that I would be able to understand or feel the culture of an organization. But as I've been doing this work with other physicians, mm -hmm. you can kind of get those drifts off of document, off the documents. Like when you read That's through, interesting. Yeah. yeah, like for instance, like when I get um, somebody who's like, hey, will you look this over for me? And I tell them, you know, I'm not an attorney. You're going to have to still seek legal support. But, you know, yeah, mm -hmm. I'd be more than happy to, to look at it and we can have a discussion about it. And they like email me this 150 page PDF document. Ooh. And I'm like, oh <laughs> my God, do you know what you're getting into? Versus... Yeah. Like I recently signed on with a new um, little part-time gig and it was literally two pages. Oh, and wow. Yes. And so <laughs> it w it's just been amazing just to see that on a total like non-legalistic aspect, but just looking at it as like a cultural aspect, like, okay, employment number uh, letter A obviously is like super detailed, super worried about covering every single aspect where employment mm -hmm. opportunity B is like, Hey, we want you to come work for us. Let's make it as easy as possible. Um, yeah, there's going to be other things that will come down the line, but this is the expectations right here. Yeah. And, that's fascinating to me. Yeah. yeah. You can tell by the tone of, yeah, their kind of intention or whatever, by the tone of the contract, huh? <laughs> so that's been really interesting wow. with it all well this has been great conversation I did not know where it's gonna go but I have loved it so if there are listeners who are like you me, know me what too. I want to get a hold of Libby tell us where they can <laughs> find you well I have a website at 1hpf.com that's one is for high power field so it's one that spell out the number O-N-E one hpf.com and it's libby gilmore shansmeyer that's me perfect well i'll have all that in the show notes for everybody well thanks so awesome. much for coming on the podcast see it wasn't as thank bad as you erin no it was great it was a fun conversation that conversation definitely got deeper than i thought that it would 
when we first jumped on the recording. So thank you Libby so much for helping me evaluate the difference between power and force and seeing power as an influence either with or an influence over. I think that's a really powerful point just to use your word again on how we can frame our mindset on how we're interacting with the world, how my one high-powered field cell is interacting with so many other cells in the world. What a cool illusion that she brought up and what she's named her website. Go ahead and check it out at onehighpowerfield.com. She also mentioned Marshall Rosenberg, who's the author of Nonviolent Communication. It's a text that's starting to pick up more and more out in the coaching world and just in culture. And so if that's something that you're interested more in learning about, I'd highly recommend picking that book up and really digging into some of these concepts. So, okay, today for our kick of encouragement, keeping along the theme of influence and power, of different strategies for power, of power with rather than power over, I want you to think about a situation in which you felt very powerful. Could be recently, could be in the distant past, could be maybe something you're getting ready to go into that you want to evoke the emotion of feeling powerful. And I would just have you take some time and thought around that. What makes that powerful? What makes you powerful? What about the situation feels empowering? Now think about a time when you felt powerless. What was it about that situation that you felt that you had lost part of your power or maybe that you felt that all of your power had been ripped away from you? It's really important to notice that when you are empowered versus when you are powerless because many times it's not evidently so much the external situation. I mean, there are some factors, but many times it's our perception on the situation or what we feel like is affecting the situation, maybe with our thought patterns and what's going on inside of us. So take a quick look at that sometime and think about when was, did I feel really powerful and why? And when did I feel powerless and why? So it's a short bit of homework today, but I hope it does give you a kick into moving forward. Again, I wanna thank our sponsor for the podcast, the St. Vincent Internal Medicine and Transitional Year Residencies. You guys are absolutely amazing and I could not continue on this podcasting journey without the support of people like you. So as always, as I wrap up these podcasts, please, podcasting world, my lovelies, everyone who listens, remember that you're not alone and your life, your calling, your pulse truly matters. Bye.